If you have a Bible, go please to the book of Exodus. We're going to continue where we were beginning last week, talking on the subject of deliverance. And this morning I want to share about the complete deliverance that you and I have in Christ. Exodus chapter 8, we'll begin there at verse 32, and we're going to go to chapter 10 and read a few verses there as well. I shared with you last week that God raised up a deliverer for the nation of Israel in response to their prayer uh, from under the affliction and oppression of Pharaoh. And we read here in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 32 a line that is actually repeated several times in this context. But I want to read it uh, just this one uh, this time. It says, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he did not let the people go. Now we go to chapter 10 and verse 8. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones who are going with you? And Moses said, We shall go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds. We shall go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. Then he said to them, Thus may the Lord be with you, if ever I let you and your little ones go. Take heed, for evil is in your mind. Not so. Go now, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desire. So they were driven out from the presence of Pharaoh. Verse 24. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be detained. Even your little ones may go with you. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice them to the Lord our God. Therefore our livestock too shall go with us, and not a hoof shall be left behind. For we shall take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and until we arrive there, we ourselves do not know what, with what we shall serve the Lord. Verse 27. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, which is living and powerful. And I pray that you would anoint its preaching this morning. For the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to deal with this uh, passage that we've read this morning because it has a lot of res uh, relative relativity to the days in which you and I live. But before I do that, I want to deal, first of all, with these two phrases which we have heard regarding the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The Bible tells us on uh, many occasions that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the Bible had given clear instruction to Moses as Moses met with God in that burning bush experience to go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. When, when Moses comes before Pharaoh to say, let my people go, he's not speaking for himself. He's speaking for God. He's speaking for Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the whole world. And yet the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then when we read in verse 1 of chapter 10, the scripture gives us this stunning and scary indictment. It says, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
And we see a principle there that's very important for every person in here this morning to recognize, especially those who have not yet given their life and their heart to Christ. The principle is this, that when you and I make a decision to harden our heart toward God, or if a man or a woman resists the call of God upon their life, the, the call of God upon their heart, eventually God will say to them and give to them what they want. You know, the Bible teaches us to pray in this way, to, pre to pray and to ask God for His will to be done. But any man or woman who refuses to do that will someday hear God say to them, Your will be done. And so it is important that you and I not reject the wooing and the calling of God. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I believe this morning you're here because of the divine appointment. God loves you so much. God, he brought you into his house, and, and maybe you grew up in a Christian home, and he brought you into a Christian home so that you would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that you would know of God's saving power and grace to deliver you out of every snare and trap that the enemy may set for your life. But the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Why shouldn't you harden your heart? Because those who harden their heart against God will eventually have their heart hardened. And not have the opportunity to come for the day of repentance. The Bible tells us about Pharaoh. But it also tells us about Esau. He was the firstborn. The blessing of God was upon his life. But he despised the blessing of God. And he lost the thing that God had given to him. And so the Bible, we read in the book of Romans about Esau. That the scripture says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. We read about Esau that he prayed with bitter tears in the book of Hebrews that he might be restored and find repentance, and yet he found none. Why? Because he hardened his heart toward God. We read about the nation of Israel. The Bible said that God sent his son to them. He sent them a Messiah, which he had foretold to them in the Old Testament. And this Messiah came with such glory and power into their lives in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we read the sad words in Scripture that read and say that he came to his own, and his own received him not. That's why in the book of Romans chapter 11, we read about the nation of Israel. We read that a partial hardening has happened to Israel. That is why today, many of the Jewish people are blind to the person of Jesus Christ. And many cannot see him for the Savior and the Messiah that God sent specifically to them and from among them. Because they hardened their hearts. The book of Proverbs says it like this. It says, he that is often reproved or often corrected and yet hardens his heart will suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. That's what God's word teaches us about this matter. And I need to be clear about that this morning because in the American church, in the American gospel, we have this idea that you can come to God whenever you like. That you can come to God on your own terms and your own timing. Many people believe I'll just come to God when I'm on my deathbed. Or when I'm an older man or woman, but I want to sow my wild oats. I want to do it right now while I can. Can I tell you, friend, no one can come to God except the Spirit of God draws him. Unless God calls you, you can't come. So you have to come when he calls. You have to come when you hear his voice. You have to come and not harden your heart. For who knows, friend, if this morning will be the last time that you get a call from God. Maybe this morning will be the last time you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Don't despise the day 
of salvation. Don't despise the day of God's grace. But the Bible says, how shall we be saved if we neglect so great a salvation? Can I tell you, there are some of you that are playing with the slippery slope of rebellion against God. You know the Lord. You've walked with the Lord. You have heard the voice of the Lord. And yet you are walking on the slippery slope of rebellion against God. Today God is calling to you. He's saying to you return. Return with your whole heart and be saved. Return with your whole heart and be converted. That you not lose your soul. Come on somebody. You have to answer the day of his calling. Pharaoh had his chance. The Bible says and the Lord hardened. Pharaoh's heart. He said, I will not let your people go. Now we see that Pharaoh becomes a type of the enemy in your life. Now three times Pharaoh gave an answer to God. On the first occasion, he said to Moses, I don't know the Lord. And the word Lord there is specifically the word Yahweh. I don't know Yahweh, the God of Israel, and I will not let my pe your people go. And we discussed that last week because we talked about the fact that the enemy never lets anything go for free. Anything that you and I are going to re receive from God, the enemy is going to oppose. And anything that we're going to take from the devil, we're going to have to take by a fight. That's called spiritual warfare. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. You're not just going to meander into the goodness of God. The enemy is going to show up in your life to oppose you. So I just want you to be aware of that and be, be assured of that fact. You have to stand up and fight. You have to face an enemy who when you come against him is going to say, no, I will not let you go. I will not let you be blessed. I will not let you have peace. I will not let you have joy. And guess what, church? The enemy's no has intimidated many people. And it has caused them to walk away from the blessing of God in their life. Uh, you know, many, uh, um, a couple years ago, I was with the Board of Trustees for our, our denomination. We went to a restaurant in Kennedy that um, really was uh, supposed to, was a good place to go. And, and I told the waitress, I said, I need a table for seven. She said, it can't be done. My manager said, I can't move the tables. I said, well, you know, it wouldn't be any trouble at all if we can move the tables for you. She said, no, it can't be done. I said, all right. So I went and I spoke to the manager who happened to know me because I always order my fried chicken there when I'm in town. And I said, you know what? I need a table for seven. She said, all right, no problem. She came and she did the thing that I needed to do. And I learned a real valuable lesson that day. You never take no from someone who doesn't have the authority to say yes. Come on, somebody. You don't take no from the devil because the devil doesn't have the authority to say no or yes. Come on. God is the God of the last word in your life. The Bible says as many as are the promises of God, they are yes and amen for the believer. Come on. You have a yes and an amen from God over your life. So the devil can kick and scream and say, no, this is mine. You won't have it. You won't be blessed. You won't be prosperous. You won't be healed. But I tell the devil, you are a liar. Jesus has the last word over your life, and Jesus will give you the victory. Come on, somebody. God's yes and amen is over your life. Now we go to the second response. And Pharaoh now says to Moses, who are you going to go uh, and worship with. He says, I'll give you permission to go and worship God in the wilderness, but who are you taking? And Moses said, I am taking um, everybody. I'm taking the little boys, the little girls. I'm taking the old men, the old women, 
our wives, everybody's going to worship God in the wilderness. And this is what Moses, pardon, what Pharaoh said. He said, well, the Lord will really have to be God if I let you do that. You ever heard that kind of mocking? Yeah, God will really have to be God in order for me to let you do that because I'm not going to let you walk out of here with my next generation of slaves. You can go, he said, you can go. You and the men of Israel can go, but you will not take your families. And I want you to realize that's the enemy's strategy against your life. He does not care that you're in church this morning. He's saying, I don't care if they're in church singing songs, raising their hands. I just don't want their family in church. And the enemy has set a strategy against your home. And he's got a strategy against your family. He doesn't care if you're blessed. As long as the rest of your family is miserable and bound by drugs and alcohol and ruined. And and the enemy has uh, decided that he can control many people's faith because of the life of their family. By bringing destruction and ruin to the lives of their families. But I have come to serve notice this morning. The word of God says this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your whole house will be saved. Come on, is there anybody that believes the word of God this morning? This is what Joshua said. He said, you can do whatever you want, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. He didn't say we might serve the Lord. He didn't say we'll think about serving the Lord. He said we will serve the Lord. We're going to put our foot down and serve the Lord. Come on. Is there anybody in here that knows what I'm talking about this morning? The enemy wants to steal your family, but your family doesn't belong to the enemy. Your family belongs to God. And I want you to read some promises with me this morning that God has given you regarding your family. Isaiah 44, verse 3. Now, jot these verses down and uh, look at them in your Bible if you can. But make sure you write these down because I want you to go study them later. And I want you to make them prayer points. When you are praying for your lost son, your lost daughter, or your growing children, I want you to pray these verses over their life. Because this is God's word, and God responds to his word when we pray. He says in his word, command me according to my word. In other words, God says, remind me of what I've said. So when you come to God, don't whine, don't complain, don't moan, don't groan. Just remind him of what he has said. Are you ready? Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. God says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Now, here's a promise from God, twofold promise. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon your children, upon your offspring. Listen, church, there is nothing that more powerful than the spirit of God at work in a life. You realize that you cannot take your children everywhere for the rest of their life. If we had a 25-year-old walk in here this morning with his mama holding his hand, we would see some problems with that, wouldn't we? We'd be a little concerned about that. You have to raise them, and then eventually, like arrows, you're going to shoot them out into the world, and you're going to pray that that's a straight arrow that you raise. But can I just tell you this? There is somebody that can hold their hand wherever they go. There is somebody that can be in the darkest corner where they decide to hide. Come on, there is somebody that can go with them into places that they thought mama didn't know about, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can go with them, and he can be 
their guide and their convictor, and he can be the one to remind them that they belong to God. And so I want you to pray like this over your children. Pray, Lord, let your spirit fall on them. Wherever they are, if they're sitting in a nightclub, let the Holy Spirit fall on them and bring conviction and bring deliverance to their life. Come on, somebody. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the power of the third person of the Trinity? He is still at work in the church today, and he is at work in the lives of every single person in your family. So pray that. Pray, Lord, fall upon my offspring. You know, I've heard the story of Jack Cole. Jack Cole was a 23, 24 25-year-old man whose doctor told him, he said, Jack, if you get drunk one more time, you'll die, son. He said, your liver can't handle it. You have destroyed your body. There he was sitting in his mama's house in Fort Worth, and he was trembling under the power of this alcoholic addiction. And he finally got to the place where he just needed a drink. So he took his mama's car keys, and he went into the streets of Fort Worth looking for a place to buy a drink. And he found a place, it was already late in the evening, he found a place where there were lots of cars and there was some music in the, in the place. He said, all right, they've got to have a drink in here. And he walked in and didn't realize he walked into a camp meeting. He walked into a church service. And, and they were singing, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. And he said, they sang that song 38 times. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. And finally the preacher stopped the singing and he said, Young man, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to be converted. And he came down under conviction and walked down the aisle of that, of that camp meeting service. And he fell on his knees at the altar. And he says people came and laid hands on him. And one of them was praying and saying, Lord, dry him up. And the other one was praying, Lord, fill him up. And he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if he was going to get dried or filled. But anyway, by the time he got home, his hair was uncombed. His shirt was pulled out of his pants. And when he walked up, his mama said, oh, Jack, you're drunk again. He said, no, mama, I went to church and hot dog, I got saved. He got, he got saved that day because the Holy Ghost, I said the Holy Ghost came upon his life. The Holy Ghost came upon that man. His mama couldn't save him. His daddy couldn't save him. The doctor couldn't save him. But Jesus saves. Jesus delivers. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. This is God's promise to you. He says, my spirit will fall upon your offspring. We read about it in the book of Joel. We read about it as Paul, as Peter quotes it in the book of Acts. He says, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, says God, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Come on, somebody. God's will for your family is not just that they be out of trouble, but that they be in the work and will of God and be doing the ministry of God in this generation. Can I hear an amen from a believing church? Then he says, and the blessing on your descendants. You know that the blessing of God is a verbal, legal decree spoken over a person's life that has so much power that it can endure and transcend generations. Listen, friends, the blessing is the very opposite of a curse. The curse has the same power. The curse, when spoken over a man or woman by their parents, can bring destruction into their family for generations. But I tell you, friends, when you turn that curse around and you begin to pray the blessing of God over your children, God says, I will bless your descendants. I will bless them so that wherever they go in all of their life, they will walk under the sure knowledge of the blessing of God. 
That's why every time you leave this house of prayer, I tell you, raise your hands to receive the blessing. Why? We've got to get in a posture to receive. And what is that blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That's the blessing of the Lord, which the Bible says makes rich and it adds no sorrow with it. If you're blessed this morning, shout amen. Guess what? If you're blessed, your children will be blessed as well. Now I read in Isaiah 49, verse 25. It says, but this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. And I will contend with those who contend with you and your children will be saved. Do you hear God's promise this morning? He says, I will contend with those who contend with you. You're not in this fight alone. It may be a fight to the death, but you're not fighting alone. God says, I am fighting beside you, Mom. I am fighting beside you, Dad. You sit, you kneel by your prayer, by your bed in prayer at night, and you say, God, save this boy. Bring him to the gospel. Change his heart. You stand up in the morning and say, Lord, save my daughter. I don't know where she is, but you've got to reach her, Lord. And while you pray, can I tell you, there is a powerful spirit of God beside you you contending with you fighting the fight of faith with you God says anybody that picks on you is picking on me come on somebody God says I will stick up for you I will stand up and defend you that's God's promise over your life when I was in high school I was a, a very a, a much smaller person in high school and uh, and my my big brother uh, who some of you know, he was a football player. And so anybody knew that if they messed with Isaac, they were messing with Josh. And so I had a very peaceful high school career until Josh left high school. And then I had, to, I had to get into my own stuff. But, you know, for that time that he was there, everybody knew if you mess with one, you've messed with the other. And the little one ain't going to lift the finger. Can I just tell you this morning, there is somebody who is ready to stand up and defend you. He is the Lord God of the armies of, Ab of, Abraham, uh, of Israel. He is the God who is able to defend you from afar off. All he has to do is send his word and he'll destroy the powers of darkness that come against to assail your life. He says, I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. What did he say? He said, your children, I will say. Oh, friend, you've got to put that in your heart. You've got to put that in your spirit when you pray and come before God and say, God, that's what you said to me. You said, my children, you will save. I can't save them. You save them. I can't deliver them. You deliver them. God says, you've got my word on it. Your children, I will save. Isaiah 54, verse 13 through 14. It says, all your sons will be taught by the Lord. Did you hear that? What does it say? It says, all your sons. How many of them? How many of them? God says, all your sons will be taught by Pastor Isaac? No. By the public school? No. He said, all your sons will be taught by the Lord. Can I just tell you right now, friends, that God is the best teacher in your child's life. You can teach them, and you must teach them. It's your responsibility to do so. But when you see them rebelling, you let God teach them. 
God will send famines into their life so that they know that they can't do it without him. And many times parents want to go rescue their children from the trouble they got into. You got to let God handle it. Let God teach them because he is the best teacher that they could have. He says, all of your sons will be taught by the Lord. And great will be your children's peace. Do you hear that in your soul this morning? He says, great will be your children's peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. And you will fear nothing. Terror will be removed. And it will, come, it will not come near to you. Isaiah 65 verse 22 through 24. It says, no longer will they build houses and others live in them. Are you tired of planting gardens that someone else ate the fruit of? Are you tired of sowing seed that somebody else got to enjoy? Are you tired of building houses that somebody else got to live in? God says, no longer. Somebody say, no longer. Say it with some faith, no longer. God says, no longer will you build houses for someone else to live in. Their community, pardon, and nor plant for others to eat. For the day, your days will be like the days of a tree. So you will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed for misfortune. For they will be people blessed by the Lord. God says your children are not doomed for destruction. Your children are not doomed for failure. Your children are not doomed for catastrophe. Your children are blessed by the almighty God. The hand of God is upon them. Come on somebody. God says I will see to it that you will receive the reward of your harvest. And that you will enjoy the things that you have planted. God says to Pharaoh. Pharaoh we're all leaving Egypt. Not just the men. Not just the wives, not just the old men and the old women, but our children too. Can somebody say that this morning, my children too? You see, God's plan of redemption is complete. It's full. It's whole. I want you to understand this. Because Pharaoh responds again. He hardens his heart. He says, no, I'm not going to let you go. Now the third series of plagues starts to come. Upon Pharaoh. He finally turns again his heart toward the Lord. He says, all right, all right, you win. You can take the people to worship. And you can take your families. But don't take the cattle or the sheep. I'm going to keep your finances. Listen how the devil works. He doesn't really mind if you serve the Lord. He doesn't want your family to serve the Lord. But then he says, well, okay, I lost the family. They're all serving the Lord now. But I can control their money, and I can control their peace, and I can see to it that they don't have a house. I can see to it that they don't have the, the stability that they need and peace in their finances. Can I just tell you, friend, God's going to give a complete deliverance. I said God wants to give a complete deliverance. And so Moses now answers. And, and, and Moses answers the way that you need to answer this morning. This is what Moses says to Pharaoh in verse 26. I love this verse. He says, Therefore, our livestock too shall go with us. Not a hoof will be left behind. Say that with me. Not a hoof will be left behind. What's a hoof? Well, a hoof is, a, is the, the hoof of an animal. It's, it's 
uh, an equivalent to a cloth. Basically, what Moses is saying to Pharaoh is, we're not even going to live, we're not even going to leave a fingernail clipping behind when we leave. When we leave here, we're taking it all with us. Come on, somebody. Well, because what I'm talking about is your complete deliverance. I said your complete deliverance. Years ago, we, we uh, had some residents in the, in the house. It's now the parsonage. And, you know, when they left, uh, we were going to make it into a parsonage. So uh, we had a date set for them to move out. When I came into the house, every single thing in the house was gone. You know, the little nails in the wall that uh, usually hang pictures on, gone. And the light bulbs were gone, too. I, everything was gone. And I, I think about that this morning. I think that's what God's going to do in the deliverance that he has for the children of God. It's a complete deliverance. You remember the Grinch when he took that picture frame off the wall and then he came back and he took the hanger too? That's what God is saying. He's saying, guess what? I'm going to take their peace back. I'm going to take their joy back. I'm going to take their finances back. I'm going to take their children back. And another thing, devil, I'm going to take their money back. Come on, somebody. Everything that God has given you belongs to you every hoof is leaving with us not one hoof will be left behind they got to hear that in the spirit because this is what Jesus did when he went to the cross he provided a complete redemption Jesus died on the cross for the whole man. He died to save you body, soul, and spirit. He died so that you could have peace in your mind and health in your body. Come on, somebody. Salvation for your soul. He is a complete and total deliverer. And you know that Jesus is coming back to the earth. And when he comes, he's coming for us. He's coming for the church. And it's going to be a complete deliverance. What do I mean by that? I mean that when Jesus comes in the rapture of the church, every single believer from all over the planet earth is going to rise up and be in exodus out of this world and go into the presence of Jesus. But you know what? That's not it. The Bible says that those that lie in the dust of the ground, those that have been buried in faith, even those will be resurrected because this will be a complete resurrection, a complete deliverance. That God says, I'm not even going to leave one handful of dust of my people behind. Every single thing that you need has been fully and completely purchased and provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, not one hoof will be left behind. Do you hear in that the resolution of Moses? He's saying, devil, you cannot talk me out of what God has promised me. And I just remind you today that you are fighting a spiritual fight. The enemy has a public relations machine. And his goal is to talk you out of your blessings. To talk you out of, of your a walk with God. To talk you out of your communion with God. You've got to decide, I am not leaving without everything that God has promised me. Until I have it all. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop giving. I'm not going to stop believing. Because not one hoof will be left behind. If you can receive that in your heart this morning, you're on your way to deliverance and on your way to be able to confront the pharaohs that stand in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? If there's anybody in here like Moses that says, 
I'm taking a stand. I'm not letting anything that God has given to me stay behind. I want you to come into this altar and take your stand this morning. Come on, bring your faith to the altar and take your stand this morning. Because you're not just standing for you. You're standing for your children. You're standing for your nieces and your nephews. You're standing for your grandchildren. You're standing for the financial stability of your home. For the health in your body. For the peace in your mind. Grab a hold of God's promise. He says, I will contend with those who contend with you. And your children, I will save. You say, Pastor, I don't have any children. Yes, but you have dreams. You have a calling of God on your life. You've got to fight for it. Make up your mind this morning. I'm not leaving anything behind. I'm going to stand with God until my deliverance comes.